Hello, Linux fans. Welcome to Destination Linux, Episode 6, where we talk about Linux news, reviews, and anything else interesting in the Linux world. I'm Rob. And I'm Rocco. And this is Destination Linux. Well, so Rocco, morning, how Rob. are you? Good morning. How are you? I am getting better, man. I've been under the weather lately, and uh, I'm slowly on the rise. You know, that point where you hit the low, yeah. and you've been there, and then you're just slowly working your way up. So I'm getting there. Well, there's something going around because I yesterday felt perfectly fine and woke up this morning with some congestion you know, in the chest. And so, uh, if it I wasn't this... my fault, I didn't get it to you, Rob. Sorry. <laughs> so, so if we, uh, if I break into some kind of, um, congestive coughing fit, just ignore me, please. We'll know what happened. <laughs> That's right. Well, man, you had a, uh, fairly rough weekend and week, uh, with as far as OSs are concerned. I had a, I had a rough couple of weeks here <laughs> in the last few. So, it's been. I put out a video yesterday about it, and it, it basically explains that for the last couple of weeks, I have been having all kinds of issues, issues that don't don't normally come up. You know, you hear people say, "Well, I run this, and it runs stable," and on a normal basis, that's what happens. You install it, it runs stable, and you go from there. But for some reason, I've had a cluster of problems right after each other and it's been a frustrating couple of weeks to go from one to the other and I think it all started with me you know with the distro challenge and installing a different distro than what I was normally used to on my main drive instead of trying it out like I do on my secondary drive well I would just run into problem after problem and they weren't major huge problems they were just minor problems well, then I would figure, well, I'm going to, because I've already um, installed this on my main drive and I don't have everything set up, I'm going to install this one to try it out. And it just snowballed into me trying different ones on my main drive. And that, that just doesn't work yeah. because you just run into problems. And the last problem I had was that Intergos uh, GNOME. And it wasn't anything to do with Intergos, but I installed it, and after, actually, right when I, after I installed it, because it gives you the options for the NVIDIA drivers to install them automatically, I did that, and as soon as I booted into it, I didn't even get to the login screen, and I had a black screen. Uh. So then I figured, well, I tried to delete a few files through the terminal to see if that would help, like, uh, as far as my video was concerned and i figured oh you know what i'm just going to reinstall it again i reinstall it again oh. and lo and behold it does the same exact thing and at the time i didn't realize it was it has something to do with the nvidia drivers right um and again i installed them right away so that's why it happened right away so i figured well i'll stick with gnome i've never tried uh ubuntu gnome so i downloaded that Tried it, it booted up, it started to work great. And then I installed the NVIDIA drivers, I rebooted, 
and the same exact thing happened. So I was in this landslide of uh, problem after problem, and I ended up saying to myself, you know what? I can't do this. I can't do it on my main machine. I need some stability. And that's when I picked Ubuntu Mate because, you know, because they're stable, because everything just works. And, uh, yeah, so that's where I'm at right now. Well, I think there is something definitely going on right now. It has to do with the video drivers and GNOME. I don't think it's Interagos. I think it's something to do with GNOME because uh, I was listening to the Linux Action Show, and Chris there um, was running GNOME, and he described the exact same issue where he went in for the you know start of the day, uh, hit the power button, it starts to boot up, and all of a sudden he gets a black screen with nothing but the mouse cursor showing, and he said he was he couldn't do anything else. That was it. And right. um, so I think I even sent you a message as soon as I heard that because you had described that. So maybe uh, the listeners or the viewers can kind of chime in if they've had the same experience. Now, I'm running an all-Intel system on my main, running GNOME right now, um, and I haven't had that issue, knock on wood. Uh, so I think you're right. I think it's somewhere in there a connection between the desktop and the video driver. So, but I'm glad you've got it squared away. And your, I watched your video this morning. Actually, uh, can you know can a KDE user <laughs> get into Ubuntu Mate? And man, you've got it looking awesome. The theming and everything looks great. So, well, it's working out pretty good. Um, Ubuntu Mate has always had enough settings to get by on. It's just whether or not you can. You know, you can live without certain things like, you know, I'm a big KDE Connect fan. So right. Right. Uh, I like having my... Now, you can install it. You can install <clears throat> it on Ubuntu Mate. You just don't have the tray part of it. And it does actually function. But so we're going to see. Um, it's I haven't had one issue, dude, since I installed it. So you're that's stable. the big thing that I'm worried about. And I just want to run a couple weeks and month. And who knows? It'll just may just stay on my system forever. I don't know. So, so I think what you need to do for your net, if you have any more issues or anything like that, just have that uh, that was easy button there handy for you, so you can just hit that Dude, when you're this. This couple of weeks has not been easy. That's all I'm going to say. But after installing Ubuntu Mate, that was easy. <laughs> I'm good. telling you, it was it was it was a pleasure to just boot up the desktop and have it work. And run now i know that there'll be people who say well i run this and i don't have no problems right hey look i installed multiple things including uh i'm a big fan of kde neon and i installed right. kde neon but it was like i said it wasn't maybe necessarily the uh fault of the distros or the operating systems that i was trying it was this my specific situation at the time of what I needed, the files that I had, the places that I needed to do, the things that I needed to do at that time just didn't allow me to run certain things. Yeah. Well, and thank goodness, you know, we've talked about this. Thank goodness we are running um, something that allows us to hop right over to uh, a different OS with a different setup. I mean, if if you're uh, locked into a Mac or into Windows and you start having that kind of problem, you have nowhere to turn. You know, you know where you have the turn? You have yeah. a three-hour install waiting on you. <laughs> a reinstall. <laughs> yeah, and I like it. You know, so with Windows 10, I've had to do I've had to do the um, 
uh, what do they call it? It's uh, you'll go into settings, and if you want to like reset it to like factory con conditions. Yep. And there's a little pop up there that says this will take a little while or something like that. <laughs> and I laugh at that because that's a three hour process. It man. may take a little while, Rob. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Just go get a cup of coffee. Uh, that's right. It may take a little while. Make a sandwich. Yep. <laughs> well, there's a lot of news uh, coming down the pike as far as Linux is uh, concerned. And um, I well, Rob, we got <clears throat> Linux news. We got gaming news. We got all kinds of stuff. Yep. So uh, Valve is rolling out a new Steam client update. And I actually downloaded the update and tried it out, and it's working much better than the other one as far as one of the main things that they have fixed is the tray icon where you couldn't minimize it before. It wasn't working. It wouldn't come up back up right. And it actually uh, does work right. They uh, did the web browser inside of Steam is now based on Chromium 56 point oh point 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 right chrome right. version it is and they made some changes f to allow the xbox controller rumble support and the steam controller support so actually put a few uh good updates into that so that's definitely welcome and they also uh rebased steam os which is in permanent beta i think <laughs> ah. oh wow uh, it's not in permanent beta, but I'm just saying. Uh, Valve, they released the, rebased the Steam OS onto Debian 8.7, which was the new release of Debian. And they added Mesa 13.03 and the NVIDIA 3.375.26 drivers. So they're updating it. And there's maybe, some movement. There's some movement. Maybe someday <laughs> it'll be out of beta. But, uh, you know, I hear mixed things about Steam OS. Some people, you know, like it and then other people say it's dead you know it's yeah dead. really so. yeah well we we've got it on the family computer and you know the intention there was to kind of start getting into some of the steam games with my son and everything right. but the, the experience just was not that good and quite frankly when the xbox one came into the house that was it yep <laughs> that was it. rob is that a microsoft product uh well unfortunately yes it is <laughs> but it is hey you got to put credit where credit is due. It is that Xbox one is an awesome gaming system. It really is. They, they did it right. I've never had uh, an Xbox, but uh, everybody that has one that I know of loves it. So yeah. Yeah. Well, moving on to some more news here. Uh, Mesa 17 gets its first release candidate uh, planned for early February, 2017. And so they're um, to them. This is a huge milestone that will improve performance of the bundled open source graphics driver. So this is going to include Intel, um, AMD, Radeon, NVIDIA graphics cards, and uh, they've enabled OpenGL 4.5 support in the uh, Intel Haswell GPUs, which is a, you know, a big improvement. Yep. And, and so this is excellent to see, and they're talking about performance here that might even surpass what you're getting out of Windows. Well, that would be a good thing. I don't yeah. know if they'll ever achieve it, uh, but that would be a good thing uh, because you you listen to reviews and you watch videos and th it depends on the system. There'll be certain games that'll perform better under Linux and some games that will perform better under Windows. So it depends. Right. But yeah, it's exciting to see that uh, they're improving it. So, you know, one thing that surprises me, and, and it's, I don't want to stop our news flow here, but... Uh, <clears throat> the desktop gaming 
has not gone away. Um, you know, early on, it's like it took a dive when PlayStation and Xbox first came on the scene and Nintendo there for a while. Yep. But but it's like it's back in full force, or it feels like it is anyway. Well, they talked about it, you know, in the past year or two, they said, oh, the PC gaming is dead. They're going to go, all, everybody's going to be on console. And I'm now I'm starting to read articles where, you know, this is the year of PC gaming and all this other stuff. So I don't think it's ever going to die because right. you, you have you have a certain niche for each area. You have right. console players. You have PC gamers. I'm a PC gamer. I'm never going to get a console and play on the console because that's not what I like. Okay, and you're in the same with console people. Most console players are not going to play on a PC. So right. I don't think it's ever going to go away completely. Well, and there's some games that just lend themselves uh, to PC. And I'll give you a prime example. I was always into real-time strategy games. Mm-hmm. And so going all the way back to the Command & Conquer series where uh, you're selecting your troops and the mouse and the keyboard set up and all the commands that you could put in to select groups and move is so much better on the PC than it ever even thought about being through a console. So there's, you know, a, a prime example. Well, that's a, that's an argument you could have on, on most games because me personally, I think it's way better on an FPS shooter to play with a keyboard and mouse. And I, mouse. Mean, I can be exact with my mouse right. pointing and shooting. I can't be exact with a controller. Now, some people can, but that's all comes down to preference. And that's right. why I said you're going to have arguments on both sides. Well, and the key thing, get it up to speed on Linux because that's going to help us in the long run as far as the community growth. And for folks like yourself who, you know, you're still, you've got Windows uh, on one of your drives specifically for gaming, correct? I'm hanging my head low. But well, yes. don't, hey, don't, <laughs> don't feel bad because I'm hanging my head low as well, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But well, uh, Yeah, I dual boot uh, Windows 10 along with Linux because, like I said, I can't game on Linux in the games that I want to play. Like, Battlefield 1 is never going to come to Linux because <laughs> they're not going to spend the money to make it work with Linux. Right. Okay, until... EA Games and all these people realize there's a market there. There's enough people there for it to pay off. I mean, that's going to be a lot of money and a lot of headaches to mostly a lot of money right. to make a game and have it work out of the box with Linux. And uh, then, like I said, it until it gets, it's, it all it comes, comes back, back to dollars. dollars. And yeah. until it gets to the point where there's a big market, they ain't going to do it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Speaking of big market, uh, there's some canonical stuff coming up here. Well, canonical is a big company. But anyway, they patched the NVIDIA graphic drivers for all of the Ubuntu releases. So there was an exploit um, that people could use and for a DOS attack. And they patched it for all of their um, OSs. And let's see what else we got. They also... Look, are looking to in 2017 to see a mirror 1.0 release uh-huh. so um they're moving along with it it's still like i said everything still seems to go 
slow. I mean, it just seems like it takes forever for this stuff to come out. Maybe are that's we cause... talking? Are we talking molasses in the wintertime slow? Well, I mean, I don't know if it's so much slow or if it's our impatience. I don't know what it is, but it seems like it just takes forever in certain things to come out. But they are uh, working on it, and they're talking about adding uh, Vulcan support to it. And Vulcan is the 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 successor to OpenGL as far as the API is concerned. Yeah. And if they add that in, that will bring everything up to a whole new level on Linux gaming. But right now, the list of games supported on Vulkan is about eight. And probably <laughs> only two of them you've heard. So it's uh, pretty low. It, it, okay. It's stuff in the future that is coming down the pike that looks pretty good, but we'll have to wait and see how it pans out. Uh, gotcha. Gotcha. Well, moving forward, that's the key there. As long as there's movement and you know what it is, um, we're into this stuff. So we're, re you know, this is our daily news ingest. We're interested in, Hey, what's going on. And it seems like when you're interested in something, it's like, what's the old saying? Uh, a watched pot never boils, right. you know, because you're, you're into it, you're paying attention to it, and you're, it just never seems to happen quick enough. So, But, you know, it's uh, back to the money and the resources. A lot of these companies, there are projects out there, and maybe they've got two people working on it, and those two people have day jobs, you know. Right. So we'll cut them some slack. But All get right, on we'll it, guys. Get on slack. it. For crying out loud. <laughs> oh, well, uh, next up, we've got some uh, some news here from uh, Solus. And the Solus project is, man, they're not resting on their laurels. Rob, are uh, we talking about Solus again? Again, yes, we are. I think this are. is the second yeah. or third week in a row we've been talking about Solus. Yeah. Hey, when it's happening, it's happening, you know. So and it's, it's happening. It's happening. So uh, Solus is going to move to the uh, GNOME 3.22 stack soon. And they're going to adopt Linux 4.9 and bulletproof updates. Now I've got to dig in to see what you know exactly what bulletproof updates entail. But uh, you know, my understanding is it's just that the name says it all. Uh, you can do the update and have no worries, which is phenomenal. So um, this was uh, this was an announcement made on Twitter, and so they're going to come. Currently, they're at 3.20. And so, um, anyway, that is certainly movement in the right direction, as well as updating the kernel. And this will uh, also entail the brisk menu for Solus Mate Edition uh, being unveiled, I guess officially unveiled. Right. And I, be I believe, and you tell me on this, but I believe that there's discussion of the brisk menu being incorporated into Budgie somehow as well. Um, I don't know about the budgie thing, but they are, I think, I don't know how they're going to implement it. I don't know if they're going to allow you the option to have the old three-tiered menu as an applet and also the new version of it, but uh, it's definitely a, a nice feature. Well, there's some other, I think, more interesting news coming from uh, the Solus Project. Eye-opening would be my uh, Yeah, eye-opening. So, in an unexpected turn of events, Ike Doherty, the founder and lead developer of the Solus Project, has just announced that he's adopting the well-known Flatpak application sandboxing and distribution framework for the Solus operating system, formerly XDG app. So, um, people, people have seen this if they've gone to um, uh, GNOME Look, GNOME yes. Look. 
and you'll see that a lot of times that XDG and you'll have to possibly install the um, extension for that to work. I actually did that yesterday when I was theming out Ubuntu Mate. If you yep. go to Gnome Look, you'll see the install button there, but it doesn't do anything until you install that XDG and then you click the install button and it pops up saying, do you want to install it? Yes. And boom, it's done. Well, this is huge news and it is something that I think is going to surprise a lot of people. However, uh, let's put ourselves in Ike's place for just a minute. So he's got guys like us making videos and I, Hey, I'm very favorable towards uh, Solus. I, yes. I think it's an excellent, excellent distribution, excellent operating system. Um, but what do we always wind up saying at the end of our videos every time we look at it? Most people, what do they wind up saying? It's great, but you're limited on repos and you're limited on software. <laughs> so um, let's put ourselves in Ike's place for just a minute. And we're watching this video and the guy's going on and on and on and on. And you're the developer. You're the lead guy. And everything's hunky-dory till the end. You hear it again. And you've heard it how many times already that we need more software access. So I think this is an excellent move by the Solus Project. I think that flat packs for them and it, you know, Ike is huge on security. When you mm -hmm. hear him get into this discussion, he is absolutely passionate that look, there's a reason we're doing this. It's not just because we want to, you know, uh, sustain a small repo. It's because we want it to be secure. We want it to run well. We want it to be a system that is as stable as can be. Yep. And that's the one thing that stands out to me. And you and I have said this, you just have to run it to feel it, to know it it feels like one of the most stable OSs you could put on your system. I don't know how to explain it. There's no video that can explain it. There's no, you have to install it and feel it for yourself in order to see how quick it responds yeah. and just the feel of it when you're using it. It just feels like it's a polished, stable operating system. All right, I'll be right back. I'm going to go install Budgie real you, quick. If you'll you carry on with the show. <laughs> uh, not Budgie, I'm sorry, Solus with Budgie. <laughs> yeah. If you'll just so, carry on. <laughs> I don't know. So they decided to go with Flatpak instead of Snaps. Yeah, well, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not versed enough on the two to tell you why I think from uh, one standpoint it's a matter of, again, I think, because I've heard Ike in uh, other podcasts and interviews talking about the difference between the two somewhat, but I'm mm -hmm. not technical enough to tell you which one's better and why. So, you know, either way, it's just a great move because it opens up access to additional software that you may need. Well, like you said, they don't do things out of a whim. So there are reasons why, and right. there are detailed reasons on the website of why they chose flat packs over snaps. And part of it is due to not wanting to rewrite the whole system uh, in order to incorporate it in. And this was the best way right now to incorporate third-party software rather than just let it go the way it is. Right. And you know what? I'm going to say hats off to all the developers. Ike, Martin Wimpress, all of the developers, they have the patience of a saint. <laughs> to be, I mean, we're, you know, you're talking about these videos and you're talking about people and, you know, you, you hear all these videos and you, and even I'm included, you know, because when you're doing it, you have to do the pros and cons of it. You can't just do just the pros. So right. there's always going to be cons, but 
you know, when you do when you're doing something and you try to make it better and there's all this negative stuff about it. I mean, you got to have so much patience to wade through that and still continue knowing, hey, I'm trying to make this better, even though some people don't understand this. Some people don't agree with it. But in the long term goals, this is what's going to make the best decision for the operating system for this particular program for whatever you're developing and right man they got to have patience of a saint that's all i'm saying they absolutely must but again i think this is a great move uh, i applaud it and i hope that this uh, opens the door for more users and um you know and like you said the collaboration too that's coming into play here and we're starting to see the fruits of that collaboration quickly you know yep uh so excellent well, Rob, so did you ever run into a scenario where you had a desktop in front of you and you wanted to install a Linux operating system, but you couldn't decide between, say, Linux Mint 18.1 or Elementary OS or Zorin OS, and you just didn't know which one to pick, and you only had one USB to burn it to? Rocco, that's crazy. Rocco, that's crazy talk. That's crazy talk, man. No, listen, that is that is like the uh, ultimate gift to a distro hopper. (laughs) Well, now you can do that if you want that, Rob. You can have a ISO file that has Ubuntu sixteen oh four, Linux Mint eighteen point one, Elementary OS, and Zorin OS all on one ISO file. That's if you awesome. ever run into that scenario. So the, the guys over at uh, Linux AIO, they, you know, they have put many all-in-one ISOs out, including an Ubuntu version of one where you can install Xubuntu, Lubuntu, Kubuntu, all of the Ubuntu versions right. and all-in-one ISO. And they came out with a mixed version now. And it's not maybe not news but it's just funny to listen to see a <laughs> i mean it's comical to see a uh, i've never heard of a iso with all of them i mean they're pretty much way different than each other yeah they are especially zorin that's probably the one that stands out to be the most different but you know what that i love the idea behind it because um well that's one of the reasons i'm attracted to the Sinchi installer uh, set up with Antergus is because when you go through the install process, you have an option of all the various desktops. Yep. And while you're still running Arch, uh, you've got that one flash drive that you can use for all those different. So on a whim, you know. Right. So I guess what we're saying is these these people are feeding uh, new members to the Distro Hoppers Anonymous. They're our best <laughs> customer (laughs) (laughs) they're uh, aiding and abetting (laughs) they are they're aiding and abetting dha members (laughs) oh well that no that's cool that's cool stuff well we've got some more news here like i said it was a it's a big news week and that's with linux mint and um you've i don't know have you ever heard of this distro rocco linux mint no, I don't think I've heard of it lately, but there is a static page on DistroWatch with them listed as number one. Isn't that just a screenshot page because it never <laughs> seems to move, you know? <laughs> so, but no, Linux Mint's got some um, things going on here with KDE. They've got a beta release, so it's going to ship with KDE Plasma 5.8 LTS. Coffee and, oh, that would be great. Thank you. <laughs> um, you make the best digital coffee, Rocco. 
Um, Thanks, man. <laughs> but uh, Plasma 5.8, that is an update. It's just in time for everyone else who's running Plasma 5.9. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's great that they're updating to 5.8 because, the, to me, I've always had issues with the earlier 5.7s. Uh, versions of plasma not major issues but dual monitor issues there there was issues that needed to be fixed yeah. and in 5.8 i think it was 5.82 they started to fix them and it's just gotten better so it's great that they're going to have 5.8 um but yeah you're definitely not going to get the new features of 5.9 running that right right well kde is not resting on its laurels uh that it's that's why you and I picked it as the desktop of uh, 2016. Yep. You know, not because we're saying, hey, it's got 50,000 features that are so much better than everyone else. It's because of the update um, uh, uh, speed and all of the changes and improvements that were made over the, the last year, really. But they seem to have the guys at KDE, Jonathan Riddle, um, all of the developers there, they seem to have like a vision for the future and are picking things that are going to be in, integrated into Plasma that are things that you say, wow, why didn't we do this before? You know, right. like they've talked about adding uh, cloud storage and integration into personal PIMs and stuff. So they're, they had met, and I don't remember when this article's from, uh, but they had met with the guys from NextCloud. Okay. And they're talking about, and it's not anything going to be in the next release, but they're they're looking at it. And that's why I said they have great vision, is they're looking at cloud integration and working with NextCloud so that uh, things like your passwords, your file metadata, your settings will all be synchronized on NextCloud uh, awesome. to where you could boot up a machine, basically, and then log in and your settings would be added through, you add your NextCloud account you integrate it in and all your files come all your settings come in like they're like they're supposed to be and uh maybe it's not around the corner tomorrow but it's just something that they're looking at doing so i think it's awesome that's music to my ears because that's a subject that ties into a subject that um really i've become i guess a little more passionate about here recently and uh, kind of leads me to really, well, there's a little bit of news that's involved in it as well, but I want to get up on my soapbox, Rocco, in this. Here's the microphone. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> so one of the news stories that I'm excited about is Nihilus N1. Most people will know it as Nihilus N1, which is a paid email uh, application and it's uh, cross-platform. It's available on Linux and Mac. Right now, it's this new version is available on Mac. Uh, but they had a paid version, Nihilus N1 Mail. I tried it under a trial on Linux, and it was by far my favorite mail client uh, within Linux. And uh, we can kind of talk about all of the various mail clients. I mean, I've tried them all. I've tried KDE, spent a lot of time, or KMail, excuse me, uh, Evolution, spent a lot of time with Evolution. Thunderbird, I just can't get past feeling like I'm running something from 1999. Um, <laughs> you know, there's Gary, on and on and on. Yes. And uh, I've tried them all. And for me, Nihilus is the best complete package. But that kind of, so there's a new version. Now, the new version for Linux is not available yet. 
Uh, they just say on their page soon, and we'll put the link here, and it's going to be called Nihilus Mail. Now, there's some new features, and one of the things that they're doing to allow it to be free is they're tying it into your existing cloud storage for synchronization of everything, where before everything was going through their servers, or that's my understanding. So excited to see that because there's going to be some nice features in there that we're used to uh, having now within, say, our Android devices, which is, uh, you know, you'll be able to set a reminder for the email, uh, the sorting, the flagging. Uh, it's got more of what I would call more PIM features built into it. And I know with Evolution and KML and some of the others, you can incorporate synchronization of your calendars and everything and all of that. But there's not one uh, client existing on uh, Linux, and this is my soapbox portion, that is as good as Outlook. Rob, and, that's a Microsoft product. And that's, yes, it is. <laughs> and that's why I said... That's why I said I'm going to go down that path, and that's my soapbox portion because... All right, we got to rename the show, Destination uh, Windows. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness, no. Uh, so, so I have run Outlook for, for my work or business, and I have run it more as a PIM, a personal information manager, uh, than I have just an email client. And I know there are people out there who absolutely hate Outlook. And they're saying right now, why don't you just use Gmail in the cloud and be done with it? Well, the beauty of Outlook and for people who like it and the people who have used it for business understand that what it does is a phenomenal job of keeping all of your information in one place. And now there are multiple ways you can keep that synchronized. And once you've got that process set up, it'll work through your Android device, so on and so forth. Everything stays where it needs to. They do, to me, in my opinion, it is, besides the Xbox One, it is Microsoft's number one product. And again, I don't hate Microsoft. We're Linux fans here. We prefer Linux. But there are roadblocks, uh, various softwares out there that are roadblocks for people who would love to make the move to Linux, but for whatever reason, maybe it's a business-related uh, software. Maybe they're graphic artists and they need access to something that Adobe has that's not available on Linux. We've all got those roadblocks. Rocco, is there anything in particular you've had to overcome or make do with, let me say? Well, let's start out by saying that it's all about the tool and not what – it's all about what you needed to do and not specifically – we're not you know, saying Linux is the best for every single thing under the planet. Right. If Outlook works better for you in business, that's what you got to do. Uh, it, it goes back to the same thing with the gaming, where if I play a certain game and I can't play it on Linux or it doesn't run as well on Linux, I'm going to run Windows in order to play that game. It's not a we're solely Linux fans. We are we are fans of what we do. OK, right. we live life. We come we go to work and we come home and we do things to allow us to make our life better. All right. right. That's what that's what we need, not to be on a soapbox saying we can only run open source, we can only run this. Right. And I'm a I'm a fan of open source, but if there's a tool out there that does it better, then I'm okay with running that. So, good good point. And and back to that because I've heard people say, well, Nihilus Mail is an Electron app. Well, I don't. To me, it doesn't. 
I don't care what it's developed on as long as it's secure and it runs well within Linux and it's an improvement and like you said allows myself or other people who are wanting to use it more as a PIM or a CRM alternative and I don't know how much into the CRM you can get within Nihilus Mail before you have to go pro but right. they did they did mention CRM tie-in. For me, from a business standpoint, dealing with a customer database that's over a thousand people, a thousand companies, you have to be able to manage that in a cohesive way. And I'm sorry, I know people are going to say, "Well, there's uh, Google Apps, which I currently use, but that, that's piecemeal. It's not all cohesive and tied together like it should be." And there's other online paid applications that you can use in a CRM format. Insightly is one that comes to mind. But I'm glad that you said that because I'm also a fan of open source, but I like to share um, cross-platform software, and it's not all open source. Some of it is free on Linux and paid you know, on other OSs or other platforms, but right. the, key, the key thing and the key focus is I want to share that because if it's something that is a hurdle for you and you've discovered something that makes it just as good or better within Linux, be it cross-platform, not open source, paid, or whatever, I feel like we need to share that and get that out there because there, there might be someone who's in that same situation that has that same need that says, if only I could do this within Linux, I could make the switch to Linux. Now, I'm not going to go back to Windows just because of Outlook. You know, I have piecemealed and figured out ways to make it happen. But I did have to install Windows on one of my machines the other day to put Outlook back on there to pull in some old Outlook data that I needed for my business. And the only way I could do that, that I found, was to get Outlook set back up. Three and, hours later. That's right. That's exactly, <laughs> no, you're not. Listen, let me explain this. So, you know, I've got uh, Windows 7 that, that I own, a copy of Windows 7. Mm -hmm. um, so I went to install that on, you know, one of my old laptops. Well, there's this bug and somehow this bug has never been there before. I don't know if it's the hardware or whatever, but if you go online, you find this bug. It's during the install process where it says there's no driver for this CD or whatever. And there's like 10 different solutions, Rocco, but none of them work. So I don't know what's going on <laughs> there, but anyway, long story short, I also, and I'm ashamed to admit this. Okay. Oh my you can chast chastise me later. Here I also, the comments. <laughs> I also own a copy of Windows 8 Pro. Windows 8, Rob. That's a, <laughs> just a, that's a notch above Vista. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I had a crazy moment and thought I wanted to go from Windows 7 to Windows 8. I quickly found out, what is this crap? But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, you, I actually had to install Windows 8 in order to get it in a position where I could update it to Windows 10 and then install Outlook from my Office 365 uh, subscription. So when you say three hours, think more like six hours. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, uh, to be honest with you, I'm not a, I'm not a, me personally, I'm not a fan of paying for, uh, something like email. If it's just for me personally, right. uh, like just right. for me, but for a business standpoint, um, because Nihilus is going to be a, a $12 a month for the pro version. Right. And the, the differences are small in the, pro version compared to the basic so you're getting a lot of stuff in the basic but um i pay for hushmail but that's more for privacy reasons than just because i want a different email client because it's not the best looking web uh browser or webmail 
but I do pay for that. And and that's like, for privacy it, reasons. That's for privacy reasons. Um, so and, so it's your Nigerian bank account, isn't it? Well, sometimes when I open a new one, you know, I don't want people <laughs> to know that I've opened another one, so I use Hushmail for that. But no, it, it's uh, to me, it's it's the best private email out there that's not to the point where you can't use it. Yeah. It's usable and it works. But again, we go back to whatever tool is the best. Now, you can use free email services. There's tons of them out there, but I prefer this one. So it's whatever the best tool for the job is, yeah. in my opinion. Well, and I'll step off the soapbox here, but I want to say this before I do. The the idea behind Nihilus I love, uh, the interface is I think just what it needs to be. Now I'm anxious to see the new version. I haven't seen the new version, so I may be backing up on that statement. Uh, but since that's kind of part of the news and coming down the pike, uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. If you're looking for kind of that outlook solution. Um, yeah, I use Gmail for personal email. I use Google apps for business and I piecemeal that and make that work. But my hope would be if we could find, and I, th that's one where I am going to donate all I can. So if a group gets together and it's, it's uh, open source, oh, by the way, the, the free version of Nihilus Mail will be open source. So there's an opportunity for a team to come together and say, hey, let's do a Patreon and let's try to make this as good or better than Outlook for the people who like it. Yeah, you, you know, for the haters out there, just skip over it. You know, <laughs> so, but um, anyway, that's all I'm saying is that if we could, that for me is that one hurdle. If I could ever uh, get involved with funding somehow or uh, or anything like that, if, if the opportunity is there, I want to seize on it because I think that would be something that other people would be very interested in from the business standpoint. So off the soapbox now, Rocco. Well, one, you need to. You, you should be, well, I don't want to say you should be, but yes, you, you probably should be donating to projects that you're interested in, okay? Like, for example, like Ubuntu Mate, like Solus. Uh, if you're uh, fans of those, you should be, you should donate to them. Now, obviously, you're not going to donate to every single uh, project out there because it would take you broke, but right. if you're a fan of something, you should definitely um donate to it now going back to the email programs i think that i've tried all of them myself and none of, we just linux in general has a a spot where they don't have a good email app and, and it doesn't have everything you need now i've tried evolution geary I'm, I'm currently running thunderbird which does look like it's in the 90s <laughs> i mean i've tried claws mail where that looks like it's from the 80s. Um, <laughs> I've tried them all, and none of them, like, have everything that you no, need. They don't – none right. of them look good and are still functional. Some of them look good but aren't functional. Right. They don't have the features that you need. And uh, I tried K-Mail, and K-Mail was absolutely, hands down, the, the most customizable email program out there. Right. And it was great as I was setting it up, and – now, granted, I haven't tried it for a, a while, but there's a reason because going through, you can set it up and you can change pretty much everything about it. It's a KDE app, so that's what you expect. You can change it to the way you want it to look. Right. Unfortunately, 
there was a time where I used it, and while I use a lot of filters to uh, throw emails into certain folders as they come in, and there was a time where I used it, and as it was going through the filtering process, it crashed, and I lost quite a few emails in that process. Right. And I said, you know what? It's It doesn't matter how much you can customize it, how good it looks. It goes back to the same old thing I was talking about with Ubuntu Mate. If it's not usable, if it's not stable, it's not worth having. So Absolutely. Thunderbird has been at least stable the whole time I've used it. Doesn't look the best, but <laughs> and I personally am a fan of uh of a desktop app rather than webmail. So same here. Same here. And I, I try. I try my best to use web apps and they have gotten tremendously better over the years as far as the interface and the other things you can go through and set them up through ice, you know, site specific browsers uh, right. set up and, and give it a window and make it feel more like a desktop app. And I'll say that Nihilus, I remember when I tried it, it felt more like a web app and a wrapper um, than it did, you know, um, just a, a resident application. Right. But at any rate, it, it was a good experience. So, well, you know, sometimes I think, you know, is this worth a discussion? Is this worth talking about? Because you know how it is, is you, you see things a certain way for what you use and you don't know, are there other people who are seeing the same thing or have the same needs. You just don't know right? until you start talking about it. And then, then you realize, Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. There are people who are interested. So that's kind of why I wanted to get on the soapbox there. So thank you for allowing me to next week. You can have the soapbox. I'll, I'll leave All right, next week. I'll talk about something on the soapbox. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right uh, so what do we got over at distro watch, Rob? Well, there's uh there's a few bits and pieces here. Um, some of this is new to me, so I'm just going to scan over some of it you'll know. So uh, BitKey, uh, it's a Debian-based distribution designed for Bitcoin users. So uh, wow. those of you into Bitcoin. Uh, Are you into Bitcoin, Rob? No, I, I am not. Uh, I wish I had, you know, I heard about it years ago, and I wish I had jumped in on the bandwagon. You know, there for a while, BitKey got, I don't know, I want to say it was up in the hundreds of dollars per Bitcoin. So... Um, but yeah, that's if you're into Bitcoin, definitely check out BitKey. Um, this is uh, version 14.1.0, so that's a new release. Uh, Venix, which is also new to me, it's an Ubuntu-based project developed for the blind and partially sighted people. Now, this is Venix 5.1, and I want to speak to this just a minute, Rocco, because early on when I started Linux Quest, there was a gentleman who was visually impaired. Yep. And he sent me an email and just talking about various settings and things like that, about how can you make Linux uh, more user friendly. And so to see this is just fantastic that, uh, you know, that there's focus there. So there's Braille support, high contrast icons. Uh, and again, this is based off of a very stable 14.04 uh, LTS. And there's three desktop environments. So there's Unity, uh, Gnome, and Mate 1.8. So what you're saying is there's two desktop environments. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, good point. Good point. 
And then there's uh, Antix or uh, Antix. Uh, it's a Debian-based distribution featuring a simple desktop built around several lightweight and rarely used Windows managers. So this is version 16.1, and you'll know this name from uh, MX16. So that's the same team. Uh, excellent distribution, MX16. Uh, Dolphin Oracle involved in that, of course. Uh, so they're uh, not resting on their laurels either. And, you know, they've made a lot of news here over the last couple of months, uh, kind of out of nowhere, you know, or it seemed like it was out of nowhere for me. Well, Antics is the is the main thing, right? And right. MX is the spin off of that? Right. Right. I've so, never actually tried Antics. Have you uh, done a review on Antics? I have not. There's a couple of reviews, though. I think uh, Don't Call Me Lenny has a review on Antics on the latest version. Uh, Sudo Reboot has a review. And what about Linux and other stuff? Does he have... Linux and other stuff does a video on every <laughs> single distro that comes out. So I am sure that he has uh, a video on it. So, so yeah, I'll, I would uh, say, yeah. So you don't a link have a video. I don't have a video. But uh, I would say if you're interested in Antics, uh, this latest version, then definitely sudo reboot. Don't call me Lenny. And uh, and please, don't call him Lenny. And, yeah, call uh, Lenny. and Linux and other stuff. So definitely check out those channels uh, for reviews on that. And then we've got one more here. And I just love the name of this, first of all, because you can pronounce it. So uh, there's a new release of Quirky Linux 8.1.6. So uh, they've announced uh, an update to Quirky. And it's a sister dis distribution to uh, Puppy Linux. So if you're familiar with the Puppy Linux project, this new release, 8.1.6, updates the project's 8.1 series. And it's compatible with binary packages from Ubuntu 16.04. So um, if you like Puppy Linux or you've ever tried that, give Quirky a try. That's certainly one that we can pronounce. I wonder what the difference between Quirky and Puppy Linux is. Well, I haven't tried either uh, a long time ago i gave a look to puppy so that's one i'd have to dig into uh to really find out what all the differences probably more than likely one is more quirky than the other probably one is quirky <laughs> <laughs> i'm guessing i'm just guessing you know one is one distro is probably soft and cuddly and smells really good and the other one's probably just a little crazy and quirky right <laughs> all right so Crazy and quirky. Let's let's go further with crazy and quirky, Rob. Let's talk about Android apps. Ah, yes. yes. So what is your favorite Android app? If you couldn't live without one on your phone, you had to have one. You could only install one. What would it be? Ah, uh, well, we were t talking about email. You got to have email on your phone. Right. Or at least I do. I mean, I've got to be connected. Uh, yeah. I, tra I travel a lot, so... I'm going to say email. All right. So what is your favorite email app? <sighs> well, l all right. Let me back up. I'm, I'm not 100% sure of this, but I'm about 99% sure that I have tried 99% of the email apps within Android. <laughs> um, I went, I, 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 one Sunday afternoon, I bet I installed 12 different email apps because you know there some of them are updated quite frequently and um, email is important and there's certain things that I look for in email right now one of my favorites is and I think you and I you mentioned or no I got an email from you one time and noticed the blue mail link at the bottom where it said yep so right now I would say if I were to just pick one email client it would be blue mail 
with the exception, wait a minute, with the exception of I got a custom ROM on my old aging Galaxy Note 3, and I, I do a lot of ROM hopping on my phone. So I've got a custom ROM. That doesn't right sound like you, Rob. <laughs> That's right. I've got a custom ROM of the Galaxy Note 7. Yes, the fire hazard Galaxy Note wow. 7. Wow. And I've got to say, besides Bluemail, Samsung's latest email, default email app or client, is phenomenal. It's very close to Bluemail. Really? Yep, yep, yep. In, in many ways. Uh, but So are you running Bluemail now? Is that what you run? I am, as you said, I also have tried every single, I took a whole day, and I didn't mean to set out a whole day, it just happened to be a whole day, the one day, trying out every single email app that was out there to see which one was best. And some of them are good, and some of them are absolutely terrible, okay? <laughs> uh, but the two top email program apps that I found were Blue Mail and Mailwise, and Blue Mail has to come out on top. Yeah. Um, it's the, it, it is now the go-to email app. It's so customizable, uh, so many features. And there are one or two things that MailWise will be better in as far as um, features. Like you can, on Blue Mail, add specific accounts to have a single or a separate tone for when you get a message. Right. But in MailWise, you can you actually have VIP senders where from a specific contact. So if you get an email on any account from a specific contact, you can set it to a specific ring. Um, so that's a nice feature. But on yeah. a whole, um, BlueMail does a much better job. Like I have probably eight or nine email accounts on my phone. And wow. Mail, MailWise has trouble syncing with IMAP sometimes. So when I'm on my desktop and I, I walk away and I don't put it in suspend, Thunderbird's running in the background. So I have it running and I have it using filters to throw in emails into certain folders. So when I go to check it on my phone, if I use MailWise, the, the files, the emails have already gone into the folders on Thunderbird, but they still show on MailWise they still show in the inbox and there's times where even after I've deleted an email in Thunderbird, um, I could go to blue mail and it's instant. I refresh right. blue mail and they, they go away. They're either in their folders or they're deleted, but in MailWise, they're still there. So it doesn't quite refresh the best on IMAP accounts. And that's why I prefer blue mail. Well, I'm with you on the multiple account setup with Bluemail. Number one, the setup process is extremely easy. And I've got one account that's a business account that's still on a pop. If you can believe it, it's still a pop wow. free. Yeah. And so that eliminates a lot of the mail apps because if you're wanting to incorporate all of your mail accounts into one application and you have a pop account, all of a sudden you've eliminated a lot of them, uh, which will, you know, a lot of them will just focus on IMAP and, and, uh, other cloud-based, you know, integrations, but right. So, I definitely, I like that you can number one set up account colors. Um, you can also remove a lot of the clutter. If you look at, say, Gmail now, you'll get this round icon. Sometimes it's the person's photo. Sometimes yeah. it's their avatar. And to me, that's okay. I, I get it because you visually you can see quickly who that's from. But there are times where I just want a cleaner interface. Within BlueMail, you can turn that off. Mm -hmm. uh, you can also color code it so that you'll see a little bar 
beside, I think it's a bar now, maybe they've changed that, but you, anyway, you can change the color of the account so that as you're, if you uh, ever load into uh, the view where you see all of your accounts in one window. Yeah, I do usually do use the unified look. Unified look, thank you, unified. Then you could see a little color bar that uh, differentiates which account that is from. Right. So I love that feature. I love being able to go in and set up individual alerts per individual accounts because you can then put in unique sounds and just audibly hear which email account that's coming from. Right. So you combine all of that with ease of setup and like you said, custom customizability or custom options. Options. Uh, we'll just say leave it at options. <laughs> options, yeah. Um, yeah, that helps me so much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's um, what I'm here to do, help you out, Rob. You know, and my wife's an English major, so, you know, just <laughs> <laughs> maybe she saw me as a, a project. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, anyway, um, yeah, that would be my pick. So I guess if we were to have, uh, like you said, that one app, right now that would be it. Well, maybe maybe we'll go over different Android apps in the future, but uh, definitely Blue Mail is a must-have. Yeah. And we're on a mail theme today, so um, I wish we had a little recording of "You've Got Mail." I have that sound somewhere, but I don't have it with me. So, <laughs> so if you're uh, if you were born after 1990, you probably don't you have no get idea it. what we're talking. You about. don't get it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, Oh, but well, I like the idea that, you know, because Android is Linux and some people may not be aware of that, but if it weren't for Linux, Android would not exist. Correct. So um, I, I, that would be fun because goodness knows there's what, how many millions of Android apps are there out there now? You could, you could spend weeks just going through the Play Store. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, fun. That's fun. All right. Uh, we're off to the YouTube corner, Rob. I love the YouTube kernel. That's a safe play. <laughs> All right. So um, a friend of the of your channel and mine, uh, AJ Rizig, is back making videos. And he had a three-month hiatus from due to his work and learning a new job. And he is back making videos. So that's awesome. He is like yeah. one of the guys that I've watched forever. Uh, anytime that I wanted a tutorial to be broken down uh, in simple terms that I could understand, uh, he was the he's the go-to guy for that kind of thing, and he yep. does tutorials on just about everything, and on on top of distro reviews and everything else. So that was awesome to see him back. Absolutely, and Rocco, if I may interject, I believe that AJ is running Solus. Yes, he is, and he uh, he's a a gnome user yep. that switched over to Solus. So that's right. Well, I, I'm like you. Uh, when I first started getting back into Linux, AJ was very AJ, and don't call me Lenny. Uh, and uh, Linux and other stuff used to be called just other stuff, yep. um, as well as uh, English Bob and a few others. Of course, I'm if I'm missing you, I'm sorry. Uh, but all of those guys were very helpful and instrumental in me deciding that hey it's it's doable now it's it's time and it's possible to switch yep. over to linux uh, full time so but aj glad to have you back man i know i think from a work standpoint maybe you had a promotion i believe or something that you'd shared with everyone and so congratulations on that and we're happy to have you back 
with all the informative videos and all of the help that you've provided over the last couple of years. So, yeah. um, so shout out back to you, AJ. Thank you much. Well, and then there's Dave from Linux and other stuff as we're talking about him because he's he puts out – the guy never sleeps, man. He just doesn't <laughs> sleep. He puts out videos every single day, multiple videos every single day. Yep. And uh, they're they're very uh, informative, so I definitely suggest you go over and watch his videos. He has one on the, the, brisk, the implementation of the Brisk menu right. uh, into the uh, main menu. He's at all kinds, so definitely a, a friend of the show. Yeah, absolutely. And he has been helpful. Um, so like if you're, you know, doing a video and you have a question on something during your video, Dave is one that'll pop right in and man, if he knows an answer, he'll pop right in and share it with everyone. So he's very helpful. And, and I love his sense of humor. I, I <laughs> <laughs> he's I real get, dude. And he that's is what's as great real as it, he's that's real. right. That's right. Uh, I watched one one of his videos where he was going through Gnome, and he is not a Gnome fan at all. Not and a Gnome fan at all. Not a, not a Gnome fan. But that was one of the most enjoyable videos I've watched in a long time because he's clicking through, and he gets frustrated, <laughs> and he's he's laying it out there. He's like, what's this? What's this crap? What? I would open this again, but I don't know where it went. So <laughs> It was hilarious. I watched that video. It was absolutely hilarious. I'll yeah. put a link to that video in the description. It was, it was great. It was, it was great. So, well, and we've got uh, we've got a couple uh, emails that came in as well from um, from the Rocco. If you would share it, it's uh, comments. Well, we have uh, one from Alan, and yep. it's a follow up to a email from last week. So he says, "Hey, after watching the last podcast, I really took a step back to look at the very core concepts of Linux." Even after using nothing but Linux for over a year and a half, I really find it fascinating and wonderful to have a plethora of operating systems to use that are stable and simple. Yet at the heart of every distro, they've given you a fork and a knife to dig into the meat of the system. Good way right. to put it. That's a great way to put it. To truly experience freedom. A big thanks to the two of you for these podcasts and the time you spend with the community. Rocco. We're going to have to safeguard your hard drives. <laughs> Best of luck getting that situated. So, well, yeah. Thank you, Alan, for, uh, for emailing in to comments at destinationlinux.tech. Again, that's comments at destinationlinux.tech. And we appreciate, uh, your, of course, your comments and uh, or questions or anything like that. If you've got a specific question uh, and we don't have an answer for you, then we're going to share that as long as you allow that. Uh, we'll share that in the uh, podcast and you know uh, toss it out to the community for any assistance. There's another uh, there's another podcast too that I want to mention, Rocco, which is uh, Late Night Linux, and um, it's late night for a reason. So we'll just throw that out there. Yeah. Uh, uh, there are several people involved with this podcast, and you've got a list uh, the lineup. For the podcast, well, uh, Joe and Jesse, so they're basically users of Linux, and then you have Ike, who is the founder of Solus, and right. Phelan, who is a Linux administrator and a big fan of KDE, if I remember correctly. Yes. Um, so they do an excellent show. I mean, if you listen to it, the show just flows along so easy and so nice, and um, 
I have to make a confession. I went over to their site and <laughs> you, I joined their you Telegram You spammed them, Rocco. You spammed them. I didn't try to spam them. I, <laughs> I joined their Telegram group and I started talking to them and somebody mentioned, you know, hey, are you so-and-so from Destination Linux? And I said, yeah. And long story short, they started having a conversation about Destination Linux on the late night Linux Telegram. Thing. So, you know, I'm sorry I wasn't trying to advertise the show, but it was, you know, if, anyway. Well, I, I listen. Try to spam them. Yeah, that's right. You know, I'm pulling pulling your leg. I I listened to their first episode last night. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, it's very colorful. I'll put it that way. So, uh, but what I like about it, number one, is you've got a lot of sharp minds involved there. You've got Ike from the development side. Uh, you know, you've got a KDE fan in there, which I like. Uh, in fact, that's funny how they mentioned that. Uh, when they were introducing him, because <laughs> yep. and we believe you're the KDE fan in the group, and he <laughs> he was he owned right up to it, so that was cool. But no, it's it's good because you've got a lot of different perspective in there, and like you said, the flow is very good and it's very informative, also. So definitely check out Late Night Linux, and then we've got um, I think we had an email from Torin. Yep, we have an email from Torin who has uh, a couple questions and. One, the first question is, how did you come up with your usernames? Okay. So I'm taking it he means, you know, Destination Linux or um, Linux Quest, Big Daddy. So how did you come up with Linux Quest? Well, Linux Quest was, it came to me pretty simple. So when I decided that, uh, okay, I'm going to switch over to Linux, at least I started with my main system. My goal was to see if I could run Linux as opposed to Windows completely. Uh, without Windows. And so I started out with, I think it was KDE Neon. And I was kind of just enthused by what was going on with KDE. And to be quite honest about it, there are areas where KDE makes it uh, user-friendly for someone coming right from Windows. There's interaction there, the UI and some of the controls and everything. Anyway, long story short, got into KDE Neon, but then I realized, wait a minute, there's, oh, I don't know, about 350 other distributions <laughs> I could. <laughs> so I went on this quest, if you will, to find the perfect Linux distro. That was, and and so it just came to me. And so when I decided to do a video, and Lord knows what made me want to do a video about it, but I just was so excited. I felt like this is something you need to share. Uh, it just came to me that, well, what I've been on is a quest to find a great Linux distro. Yes, but I watched your first video, and you talk about it in there, saying this is my first uh, distro review or whatever, and it was a – the first time you hear it, it was an awesome video. It was well, a video that was laid out well. It was laid out like a presentation, and you talked about it, and you went into detail about the specifics of it, and it just flowed really well. And I was as soon as I heard that first video, I knew that it was a channel that I was going to listen to in the future. And you just kept making more and more videos, and it just snowballed from there. So it's definitely a, a good thing. Well, thank you, sir. And what about Big Daddy? Well, that's a less fascinating story. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is just, uh, I mean, I've always been a Linux fan and we sat down one day and my dad had said to me, Hey, well, why don't you do Linux videos? You know, you could do, you know, certain things. 
for it. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm a KDE fan. And then I'm looking and there's no videos out there. There's like a lack of videos specifically for KDE. And so long story short, I decided to do the videos and we tried to come up with a name and you know, my dad actually came up with the name Big Daddy, and I'm sitting there, and I'm looking, oh, Big Daddy, you know, okay. But then I'm <laughs> at one of my jobs. Previously, there was I would that was my nickname, which he didn't know that, but that was one of my nicknames. So I went, okay, well, let's run with it, and that's that's where the Big Daddy came in. Well, the thing about your your channel name is that it's catchy. You just you don't. It's like it sticks with you for whatever reason, you know. Um, so it's funny, you know, you, <clears throat> I, I didn't sit down and mull over. It's just like yours came to you. Mine just kind of came to me. I didn't sit there with a pad and paper and go, all right, what's catchy? What, you know, it just kind of, it just came out. So yep. uh, well, that's interesting. That's a, and, and Torin, thank you. Uh, thank you for the question. Actually, I had never stopped to really think about it. So, um, so there's now, another question he has, Rob. Yeah. Regarding yeah. The AUR. So even though there's dodgy software, the dodgy software is unlikely. Isn't there always a trust issue with the AUR? Uh, yes, there's, there's a trust. There could be a trust issue, uh, just like there could be a trust issue with a PPA. And we talked about that in the last episode, uh, episode five, and there's always going to be a trust issue. There could be a trust issue with a flat pack, uh, put out by some nefarious, you know, uh, person who just wanted to cause issues. So I think it's something to always be cognizant of, uh, just like there could be issues with your play store apps. And, you know, while Google does everything they can to prevent, uh, spam filled applications and everything's from, from making it into the play store. I think because it's more community based, you're going to find, that that kind of thing is caught naturally right. and, and spreads pretty quick in the community, not saying that it could never happen, but typically uh, like within the AUR specifically, when you go in to build out a package from the AUR, you're going to see a rating. Uh, there's a tab there that's got a rating column. And what I have found is that typically those apps run better and are more suited for install than the ones that have a lower rating. So pay attention to that rating. And that typically means, too, that there have been enough people installing, building out that application through the AUR that they're going to know, uh, is it, you know, is it a good app or is it not? And also, I think that there's a reporting system to take that stuff down. So if there's something that made its way in somehow, and I'm speaking out a term here, uh, please, people, correct me. But I think that there's a process in place that that stuff gets, if there was something that popped up like that, it would be yanked pretty quickly. Well, it's not just the AUR, it's anywhere. It's PPAs, it's yeah. EXE files on Windows. Anywhere, it's it's like you said, the App Store in Android. You have to be careful of what you install, and it doesn't matter. There always could be that one issue, that one problem. But if you're careful with it, you'll be okay. And be careful. Yeah, I mean, uh, especially like uh, if you're a Windows user out there and you happen to be listening to this podcast, uh, be careful where you install that uh, shareware from because uh, one click and the next thing you know, your browser's hijacked and everything. And i got to say, that doesn't happen within Linux. 
I have yet to install a piece of software that has hijacked my browser. No, it's uh, definitely not a common practice. Not a common practice. So we feel pretty safe and secure over here in Linux, not to say that it, I mean, there's security holes. Uh, Linux is not perfect, but uh, I think it's a much safer place to be than the other two plat- major platforms out there. All right, so he brings up one other point, Rob, and yeah. that's about uh, in the last podcast we talked about Android, and today we talked about Android and the Google Play Store. So he asked us about F-Droid, which is an alternative software <clears throat> repo. So yep. I have never tried F-Droid, so what is it? So F-Droid is an alternate uh, source for applications on your Android device. And as I mentioned earlier, um, I've flashed a lot of custom ROMs on this phone and other phones. Um, I guess it's my nature. You know? <laughs> so there's always... <laughs> There's always something better out there, but no, it's allowed me to, um, you know, I recently purchased a new Galaxy uh, J7, and and while that's a nice phone and everything, I didn't want to go through the root process to put a custom ROM on there, and uh, bear with me here. So, uh, I like this Galaxy Note 3, and what's kept this Galaxy Note 3 um, running really well for me is that there are tons of custom ROMs. So when you install a custom ROM on your phone, and I'm going to use what used to be called CyanogenMod as an example, uh, you have an option to install the Google Services package, which includes the Google Play Store um, in that package. Or you could choose to not install that and use an alternate uh, application store or application source, if you will, and that includes F-Droid. Now, I used it long ago. I haven't used it in some time, but let's say, for example, that I decided that I did not want to have anything to do with Google or as little as possible to do with Google on my Android device, that I wanted to keep that Play Store free. I, I didn't want any of their major apps or anything. I could simply install that uh, APK package of F-Droid and get that set up, and it's a source of free software. Free is in beer, so it focuses on yeah, it focuses on applications that uh, you don't have to pay for, but not um, cracks, cracked applications or anything like that. Now that right. may have that may have changed. Again, I haven't disclaimer here. I haven't run that in a long time, so that might be a source where you could wind up with a nefarious app that takes over your system or is reporting your actions to some remote server somewhere. So I'm going to say be very careful there, um, but it is an option. It's good to know because, uh, like I said, I've never tried it. Yeah, yeah. One of these Saturdays or Sunday afternoons, we need to uh, go through that custom ROM setup for uh, for your phone. If you uh... That's it, Rob. I'm done with hopping, okay? I'm not <laughs> installing no other... ROMs or distros, I'm done with that. I want stability. <laughs> you want stability, I hear you. No, there's something to be said for stability for sure. So Well, does that's that all we got, up? brother. That's it? That's all we got. So I guess we come to the end of our show. Again, Rocco, if you'll share the uh the email for viewers and listeners. It will be comments at destinationlinux.tech. Absolutely. Comments at destinationlinux.tech. See, I can say it. without messing it up if i really try i'm proud of you man i'm proud of you so we appreciate your comments uh we appreciate your questions and uh we've seen an uptick ever since we kind of changed and finally settled on the correct host and everything of the podcast 
Uh, hopefully that's all worked out and uh, you're going to find this. One thing I did want to say yep. that I forgot about is I deleted the SoundCloud account so that we could concentrate solely on Podomatic because that was brought up by some of the guys over at Late Night Linux where if you <clears> search <throat> the Destination Linux in your podcast player, um, two of them came up and right. it was confusing to see which one it was. So I did delete the old one and it should be gone within a few days. Absolutely, yeah. And thanks to the guys who uh, brought that up in, in the... Uh in the uh, telegram there for late night Linux. So, um, well, I guess we'll wrap it up from there. You can get back to running windows Vista. And, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, well, once again, Rocco enjoyed it. Thank you very much. And I guess we'll see everyone next week. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Take care. Say something, Rob, will you? Sure. Hey, Rocco. How's it going, buddy? If I could get the sound settings right, it would be going better, much better. I hear you. If we were running a Windows system, it'd be no problem, <laughs> my friend. <laughs>